Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and for the next seven broadcasts, we're going to be studying the seven statements of Jesus from the cross as we lead into the Easter weekend. The first one Jesus said was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, the power of prayer. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. These next seven, starting today and then up until the weekend of Easter, I'm going to be taking up the seven sayings that Jesus made from the cross. We'll take up one every single day. I know we take a lot of time celebrating Christmas for a month and a month. Now it seems like it's even now, right after uh, or even before Halloween, we're already putting out Christmas decorations. I know that's for the sales. I know that's for the, you know, the the commercial side of, of Christmas. And we understand the importance of Christmas. But I'm going to tell you something, because Jesus was born into this earth doesn't make us saved. But if you understand what happened at the resurrection, the resurrection is what made us saved. That's why I think the best, absolute best holiday we have as far as eternal life is concerned is Easter when Jesus was raised from the dead. When you get born again, you don't confess the fact that Jesus was born. You confess the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And there you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and that God raised him from the dead. That's what the whole thing is. It's not the fact he was born into this earth. He had to be born first and then for 33 years grow, keep the word of God, not sin. And for 33 years, he kept himself impeccable before God and was therefore qualified to go to the cross. But after three days and three nights of being in the grave, he died for our sins, your sins and my sins. And after three days and three nights, where his body was in the grave, his spirit man was in the lower parts of the earth, the heart of the earth as Jesus declared it. When Jesus was there, he took our sins and took them there and he died for us. But after three days and three nights, my sin was paid for, your sin was paid for, the sins of the whole world were paid for and Satan couldn't hold him because Jesus had no sins of his own. If he would have, he'd have been there and he couldn't have died for us, but he did die for us. The innocent dying for the guilty, the, the righteous dying for the unrighteous, he died for us. And the moment we accept him, what do we do? We don't just confess that God brought him into this earth as a baby. We confess the fact that God raised him from the dead. So Easter's the most important thing. And even the cross, the cross is where he died for our sins, but our, our redemption wasn't purchased at the cross. No, our sins were judged at the cross, but later on, three days later, when he arose from the dead, that's where we have the power of forgiveness by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So as far as I'm concerned, Honestly, I thank God for the cross around the neck that we have, the cross on the on the uh, jewelry that we have, and I thank God for the cross on church buildings and all that. That's a wonderful thing. But you know what? The cross really didn't save us. The cross is what took away the problem. It was the grave that brought the answer and him being raised from the grave. That's what brought the answer. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't think we should be wearing crosses around our neck, even empty crosses. Although that's wonderful. I have no problem against it. I think the best thing to hang around your neck or on a piece of jewelry is a rock with a hole in it because it was the resurrection of Jesus. The one, the stone was rolled away and Jesus was gone. It was a loud hallelujah at that moment. 
that Jesus Christ was risen for us. So we have seven days here, a broadcast that we're gonna be taking up right up until that day, and that is the day of Easter. Look at Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Here we have the first statement that Jesus made from the cross. And in Luke 23, 34, it said, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, and they divided his clothing and threw lots. This was found in the Old Testament. Psalm 22 says they would they would gamble for his clothing, and they would throw lots for his clothing. All that was a, was a provision of prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. But I want you to notice something else. It said, then Jesus said. I want you to notice the first word. No word in the word of God is there by accident. If it doesn't belong there, then the King James put it in italics, or some modern translations will take it out. But when it says, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do or no, they don't know what they're doing. What does it mean when it said, then Jesus said, it simply meant man had done his worst. Man had done everything possible to Jesus from the time he was born throughout 33 years of life to get rid of him, to shut him up, to kill him, to put him out of the way and it never had worked and it failed every single time. Now it looked like it was a great success. He was hanging on the cross, dying in front of a multitude of people to witness it and the, the religious leaders and even the soldiers were happy all this was going on. But then it says, then Jesus said, man could do nothing else to him. When he was born, there was no room in the end. Herod tried to kill him. The religious leaders tried to lay hands on him and ambush him and discredit him. Even his hometown crowd tried to push him over a cliff. Then means after his false arrest, his mock trial, his beating, his thorns, the people still crying out, crucify him. After leaders found no fault in him, they still tried to kill him. It simply brings this. The nails were driven in. The cross was now in its place. Men could do no more. Men had done to Jesus for 33 years all they could do, and Jesus was still alive. What would you do when everyone has done all that they can and you're still breathing? Would you lash out and curse them as you're dying? Or would you say, Father, forgive them? Jesus, even in his dying breaths, was saying, Father, forgive them. The reason he came to this earth was for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, he said, Father, forgive them. You say, yeah, but isn't there a time to speak out our minds? Of course there is. Jesus told religious leaders off. He actually pulled out whips and started whipping them whenever they, because he was fighting for the holiness of God in the temple, that that's what it was for, not to sell products. And so Jesus told the religious leaders off. He hated sin and loved the sinners. Hebrews chapter one and verse nine, when he arose into heaven and sat down, a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy found in Psalm 100, you have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Jesus hated religion, but he loved the religious people. Look at this verse in 2 Peter chapter two and verse one. 2 Peter 2, one. There will be false teachers among you who will privately bring in damnable heresies. These guys aren't even born again. And yet they're bringing in damnable heresies, trying to convince people not to receive Jesus. Notice what it goes on to say at the end of that verse, even denying the Lord who bought them. I mean, even them. He purchased them on the cross, but they've rejected him. And even the people bringing in damnable heresies, false teachers, false prophets, Jesus still loved them. Who was standing in front of him? What was standing in front of him was a group of people. Jesus' first statement from the cross was a prayer. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Isn't that amazing? The first statement from the cross was a prayer, the power of prayer. Prayer is bigger than us. 
It reaches beyond our voice. It reaches beyond our hands. It reaches beyond our boundaries of travel. It's not bound by our presence. It's not bound by time. There was a woman, and the woman that led me to the Lord was our pastor's wife, uh, Sister O.W. Webb. This was years ago. I was five years old. My sister was four years old at that that same time, and my one of my best friends, David Shibley, was three years old. And we all accepted the Lord that week, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. She came and bowed next to me at the altar and uh, led me to Jesus and led me in a confession for Jesus. And then I never knew it, but after that time, she she understood there was a call on my life. She saw that call on my life. I came up through the youth group at the church for a while and all that. And I remember my first sermon was to preach the church. I'll never forget that sermon. I had it all laid out and timed it out and thought for sure it's a 30-minute sermon. It was 10 minutes. 10 minutes, I was through, and so I looked around, so I preached it a second time. In 10 minutes, it was over, so I preached it a third time. People were laughing out there, but you know what? I was going to fill up my 30 minutes, and I did. And you know what? Even during that time, she saw a call on my life, and she started praying for me every day. I didn't know that. And she started praying for David Shibley every day. Also, he's got a worldwide ministry today and uh, reaching around the world. And so, again, we've both been blessed by God. But some of it had to do with her prayers. And it was told me by her, by her daughter that when she was in a nursing home at the time, and at the end of her life was just, you know, she, she incapacitated, that she continued. She said she'd walk in, hear her praying for uh, for different people. And she said that one day, she said her mom was sleeping in the bed. She walked in, her mom was asleep. So she went over and she just started looking through some of the drawers she had. She found a box in there and opened it up. And it was filled by with little cards. And they were just all put in there in alphabetical order. And she saw my name in there and she pulled it forward. And she had marked on there every single day that she prayed for me. And she said it went back years and years and years and years. She prayed for me. And I just wanted you to know her prayers worked. It seemed like the older we get, the more power comes in prayer, the more we realize the power of prayer. Because at this time, Jesus had reached his physical limits, but not his spiritual limits. There may come a time you've reached your physical limits. You can't get up anymore like you used to. You can't walk around like you used to, but yet you can pray. And so sad that oftentimes we don't resort to prayer until we get really old. And we forget about the power of prayer. That you know what, I may not be able to go to this man's house, but I can pray here. My prayers go there. I may not be able to go see a missionary, but my prayers here can go over there. And prayer has no physical limits. And Jesus had reached his physical limits, but again, not his spiritual limits. What do I mean by this? His hands, which heal people, were now nailed. They couldn't lay hands. He couldn't lay hands on people anymore. His feet, which once brought deliverance, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them that bring glad tidings. And Jesus was one of those. He brought the message of deliverance. He brought the message of salvation. And now his feet were nailed. His time to live was short, but in his last hours, Jesus prayed for other people. And the first prayer he prayed for was sinners. What's your first prayer you usually pray for? For yourself, for healing. Lord, I, I, I'm, slow, I'm low on money. Lord, we don't have enough food in the house. No, he prayed for sinners. All those standing out in front of them said, Father, forgive them. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know who I am. In fact, we're told in the book of Acts, even if the religious leaders of that day and the uh, leaders of government would have known who Jesus was, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so they looked past everything he said. They looked past everything that he did. And they simply saw him as a man. And the the, the uh, Romans thought he might be out to, to start a kingdom for himself. And the religious leaders hated him because they were jealous of him. 
No matter how much he showed, he was not out to start an earthly kingdom yet. That would come in on another day. And he was not out to stop them. He's not out to bring in a new religion. You know, he was actually going to build upon the religious, uh, he was going to build upon the Jewish religion of that time and build in the Jewish religion, which introduced him. Now he was going to uh, come and introduce Christianity. But the good news was even on the day that Christianity began, out of the upper room, 3,000 Jews gave their lives to Jesus Christ, devout Jews out of every nation under heaven, Acts chapter two. So Jesus prayed for sinners. So it simply comes to this point, no one is beyond the reach of prayer and simple faith in it. The prayers that she prayed, that my pastor's wife prayed at that time, worked in my life. They worked in David Shibley's life. They worked in other people's lives because we weren't the only two cards that were in there. There were cards all the way through there that she prayed for these people every day and had been doing it for years. She knew the power of prayer. What does it say in Isaiah 50, chapter 53 and verse 12? He bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I'll see you right after the break. Jesus' final words, the last seven statements that he made before descending and ultimately ascending from earth into heaven, hold great significance for both the believer and for the world. In this six-part topical study, Pastor Bob Yandian closely examines and explains the seven statements Jesus made from the cross. Studying those statements carefully sheds light on their significance in the lives of believers today. Message titles include, Father Forgive Them, Today in Paradise, Behold Your Son, My God, My God, I Thirst, It Is Finished, and Father Into Your Hands. To order Seven Sayings from the Cross, visit our website at bobyendian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Pastors, ministers, I know many of you would like to have some evening classes. Maybe you don't have enough in the congregation to really have fellowships, home groups, things like that. But this is the most important. This is supplemental the Word of God. I have a curriculum series, 10 30-minute uh, lessons on video, as well as my book on end times that goes along with it, a teaching on the subject of probably one that pastors fear the most is end times. Don't understand it. With all the different viewpoints today, I come back to the basic of what the Word of God says. There is a rapture of the church coming, and seven years later after that, Jesus is coming back to establish his millennial kingdom on this earth. And so much is taught in the Word of God about the simplicity of what God is saying. Once you understand it, then it seems like confusion is gone. If you'd like to do this, you might have a time where you do it over a two-week period, five nights a week, or spread it out into 10 weeks, whatever you would like to do. I know it'll be a great blessing to you. And on top of that, your congregation will come out smarter on the other end, and you'll look good because you brought it into the church. See about having this series just for yourself. 
Again, I want to point out that Jesus on the cross had reached his physical limits, but not his spiritual limits. That's why it tells us then, the opening word that we started with was the word then, meaning at that point, man had done everything he could. The Pharisees had done everything they could. Even his hometown crowd that tried to kill him did everything they could. Even the uh, leaders of the, of the government, the Roman government had done everything they could. They tried their best to kill him before he went to the cross. But Jesus said, no, I pick up my life when I want to. I lay it down when I want to. They literally tried to kill him before he got there. And this was probably under the command of the Pharisees themselves. We don't want him to go to the cross. We just rather kill him right here on the spot, but it didn't work. But once he's on the cross, now everybody says, look at that. He can't go anywhere. He can't do anything. And Jesus said, yes, I can. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The hands which had healed people were now nailed to the cross and he could not get off the cross to go lay hands on anybody. His feet, which once brought deliverance, were nailed and he could travel from this place to that place. Remember the time in John 4, we must needs go to Samaria, so they walked there. Well, his feet couldn't walk there anymore. His time to live was short, but in the last hours, Jesus again knew the power of prayer. There's times throughout his ministry that Jesus went off to pray, taught his disciples how to pray. He knew through his ministry the power of prayer. It's wonderful when you're hands can go and your mouth can preach and your feet can take you somewhere, but you supplement that with prayer. But so often we wait till the end of our life to realize, man, I could have been praying all this time. And we understand the power of prayer. Jesus, when he was first born, his parents brought him to the temple and Anna was there and she knew he was coming. Why? She'd been praying for years about Messiah. And when they walked into that temple, she said, that's him. And she began to pray over him. Isaiah 53 and verse 12 tells us again, Jesus prayed for sinners and he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. What does this mean? Everyone around him was a transgressor. His mother was there, which was not. And John was there and he turned the key keeping of his mother over to John, but very, very, uh, probably nobody else in the crowd at all. Maybe a few, but not very many. Everyone there was to spit at him, to yell at him. Everyone's there to mock him. And it simply comes back to this. In heaven, Jesus still prays for sinners to be saved. Hebrews chapter seven and verse 25. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. Jesus practiced what he taught. Do you, ministers, do you practice what you teach? You teach people to pray, do you pray? You teach people to witness, do you witness? Matthew chapter five and verse 44 says this, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who despitefully use you. Even in the last minutes of life, Stephen prayed. As he was dying in Acts chapter seven and verse 60, he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not lay this sin to their charge. And he fell asleep. See, he says, don't, I, I'm praying praying that, Lord, you will not charge this against them. They're doing this out of ignorance. They're doing this out of hatred and don't have any idea they're killing a member of the body of Christ. In fact, it's not until chapter nine that Saul of Tarsus wakes up to this fact whenever he was knocked down off of his animal onto the ground, blinded by a light that he couldn't see. I mean, he couldn't see after the, the light was gone. He was blind for a few days. Ananias came and laid hands on him. But you know what the Lord said to him as he knocked him down to the ground? He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Me. And what they don't realize is when they killed Stephen, they were, cru they were coming against God. They didn't realize that. And that's why he said, don't lay this to their account. 
What was Jesus praying for? He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And so the soldiers that were out there and they had, and they were, uh, they had nailed him to the cross. And even in that time period, we're told that when they nailed him to the cross as a sheep before her shears is dumb, he opened not his mouth. He did not retaliate back at them. He didn't curse. In fact, it's been said when people were crucified and the nails were driven through their hands and feet, the screaming could be heard for miles. Jesus didn't say a word. He answered questions. Whenever the leader said to him, you know, that you say that you got a kingdom, he says, I do have a kingdom. He says, don't you know I have the power to take your life? He says, no, you don't have the power to take my life. I lay it down when I want to. I pick it up when I want to. On the cross, Jesus said later, we'll take up the statements. He said, Father, into your hands, I dismiss my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. Jesus died of his own free will. Men did not take his life. He gave it up when he was ready. That's why they couldn't kill him before he went to the cross. That's why the nails didn't kill him. Jesus, at the right time, gave up his own spirit to the Lord and physically died on the cross. And then three days later, of course, we know how that God raised him from the dead, quickened him by the power of the Holy Spirit, made him alive, and then raised him from the dead. Jesus' prayer that he prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Was that prayer answered? Stop and think about this. Was that prayer answered? The answer is yes, right after he died on the cross. Why? Because the soldiers that crucified him accepted him. And it says in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 54, now when the centurion and those with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that happened, this was the darkness that fell over the earth for some three hours. Darkness fell on the earth. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. The veil was torn in the temple. The graves were opened up. Matthew's the only one that tells us about this, is the graves were opened up and many saints from the Old Testament got their bodies back momentarily. These were not resurrection bodies. These were their old bodies back. And they, they got out of the grave and walked into town and even, and they met people. And they, you know, can you imagine? You're sitting there playing cards with your friends, you know, around a table, you know, and, and you're talking about old times. You say, remember old Jim? Yeah, wasn't he a great guy? And all of a sudden, Jim comes walking in. He'd been dead for 15 years, and he came walking through the door. I wonder what they had to say. I think I know what they had to say, because what happens is that the graves opened up at the resurrection of Jesus. When Jesus came out of the grave, these guys did too. I imagine what they said was, hey guys, we've been down there in paradise. You know what happened? We could see over there into hell what was going on. And Jesus Christ went in there and died. After, and when he had died, he went in there and after three days and they had him there. Then Jesus suddenly stood up and rose from the dead and came up. And we're just here to tell you, we saw that down there. We were witnesses of that. And it wasn't but a few days after that when Jesus ascended into heaven and then came back. He told the men, don't touch me. I still haven't gone to my father, which is in heaven. When he went up there, the Bible says he led captivity captive. And those people in the Old Testament who did not get to go to heaven, but went to an underground compartment that under the earth and uh, that was called uh, paradise. When they were in paradise, then they were lifted out of there and taken up into heaven. Paradise under the earth is gone now, but paradise, the people are actually in heaven now. And Paul even said, I was taken up into the third heaven into paradise one time. So they were taken up there, but on the way up, some got their bodies out of the grave and walked into town and told the people. So I will see that again, again in verse 54, Matthew 27, verse 54, when the centurion and those with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that happened, the darkness, the veil being torn, open graves, feared greatly saying, truly, this was the son of God. Was Jesus' prayer answered? Yes, it was. Jesus prayed for all who would yet believe in him. That's us. 
He even prayed for us in the future. In fact, the night before he was crucified and he was arrested in John 17, 20, Jesus in praying to the Father says, I do not pray for these. That's the apostles surrounding him. Some were asleep. He says, I don't just pray for these apostles around me alone, but also for those who will believe. That's you and me. At Pentecost, Peter saw Jesus' prayer coming to pass. Acts chapter two and verse 41, those who gladly received his word were baptized and the same day they were added to them about 3,000 souls. This is just a short period of time, some 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus that this event took place. And also Jesus prayed for us again in John 17, 20. And so he prayed for those that were in front of him. He prayed for those that received him on the day of Pentecost, but he also prayed for us. And that's where he prayed, I do not pray for these apostles alone, but those also who will believe in me. I stand in that line, you stand in that line, and Jesus prayed for us. We also pointed out too, that in heaven, Jesus prays right now at the right hand of the Father for those that have not received him. And he's up there praying so that you, if you don't know Jesus, will accept him as Lord and Savior. So here's the point that brings out of this verse of scripture is that Jesus prayed for those standing in front of him and it came to pass after he died. Prayer doesn't have a time limit. Prayers that you pray in your lifetime may not come to pass until later on. So it simply comes back to it. Once it's out there, it keeps on working and keeps on working and keeps on working. How about prayer in you? Let's go back to a verse I talked about. Luke chapter two, verse 36 and verse 37 tells us about a woman who was praying and Anna who was a prophetess. And it says in Luke chapter two, verse 36 and verse 37, there was Anna, a prophetess, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was very old and had lived with a husband for seven years after her virginity, and she was a widow of about 84 years old, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers day and night. This again comes back to it. She prayed, and now she got to see on that day Jesus Christ coming in. I think this is wonderful. And so she came and saw Jesus and held him and praised God for him because this is one thing she'd been praying for for a long time. And her prayer was, I don't want to die until I see the Messiah come. And so uh, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus in on that day for circumcision and for dedication. And when they did, then again, Anna got to see the results and the fruit of her prayer. I told you about Mrs. Webb that prayed for me and my friends. In our old age, we often again, sadly, finally learn the power of prayer when the power of prayer has been there all the time. And Jesus, who couldn't get off the cross and lay hands on people, his feet couldn't carry him, nor could his mouth preach in front of large multitudes as he had before, realized something, I'm gonna pray. And in that prayer, that prayer can be answered. But on top of that, prayer is timeless. I am in my physical body bound by time. And I will be raised from the dead after that. And I will not be bound by time anymore, but my prayers are never bound by time. So he prayed. And after he died, his prayer was answered. So again, we often wait till the end of our life. Jesus knew the power of it and even taught about it during his lifetime. I trust this is gonna wake you up to the power of prayer. I trust this is gonna shake you and make you understand something. I think I have to go lay hands on people and I might drive all the way across town, but you know what? I can get them on the phone and tell them I'm gonna pray for them. As soon as I hang up, I'm gonna pray for them in the name of Jesus. One of the services 
At our church years ago, I was preaching and I was interrupted by an usher who came and brought news that there was a man that was, we supported a missionary and his wife was dying right there on this, at that time. And I called and asked if we would pray. I stopped the sermon. We prayed for her and she was healed. We found out about it a couple of days later, but when we found out the timing of her healing was exactly when we were praying from the pulpit. Here we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She was around the world in Africa. We prayed for her and our prayer was answered. So Jesus. Jesus began his public ministry with prayer. Luke chapter three and verse 21, he began his public ministry with prayer and he used the power of prayer throughout his ministry. And now we find him ending his public ministry on the cross with prayer. Prayer when he entered the ministry, prayer throughout his ministry and prayer as he ended his ministry. And I really look back on it and I can tell you this, there's been times I preached sermons and I didn't think they were that good. And my wife even verified it. You didn't miss it. You didn't get it very good today. You kind of missed it. But as I look back on the mistakes of my ministry, they've never been a lack of preparation, usually a lack of prayer. Prayer is where your power, your anointing, and your relationship with God comes into fullness in your life. See you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.